This has been like an interesting topic for us uh, of just what, what is prayer. And it's so, it, there, there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about. And, and today, I'll be honest, like the challenge for me is to not get ahead of, of where we need to be today. Um, when we did a survey, we'll, we'll be doing another one in uh, the summertime. We did one a couple years ago with the folks at Origins, and a lot of you weren't here at this time. We just did this survey of like where we are, what do we do, what are the things that we do that it takes for us to pursue God, what are the disciplines that we have. And like the biggest question mark on there was like about prayer. Like, I don't understand prayer. I don't know what it is. And we've heard these confessions in community group, too, of like, I just don't know how to pray. And so um, I think it's, it's, it's a common deal. And so we're going to address it the best that we can from like square one as to what it is. Um, and so over the next several weeks up until Easter, we're going to just kind of be having these conversations about what, what is prayer? What does it look like? How do we do it? Um, we're not going to attach a formula to it because I don't think that's what prayer is. And I don't think scripture says that's what prayer is either. But there are some things that we just need to understand about what this is, the give and take of that. And so today uh, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6. Um, it's where the Lord's Prayer is found. We're not going to get to that today. Over the next several weeks, we're going to break that down just a little bit and talk about uh, what is represented there because I think the best place for us to go, and I'll go ahead and give it away over the next several weeks, if we want to learn about prayer, um, I think we should look at the one who did it the best, and Jesus, Jesus was that. Uh, Jesus came for several reasons. Jesus came to be the price that we couldn't pay. He came to be the substitutionary atonement, which is a lot of syllables, but he came to be that. But he also came to be an example and to teach us in two ways. He came to teach us in word and in deed. He came to teach us uh, with the ways that he instructed us, with verbal instruction from his mouth, but he also came to teach us in what he did. And so we get to see both of those as it pertains to prayer in Jesus. Um, but today, we're going to start at an interesting place, and I think it's incredibly interesting for Jesus because he didn't teach like this very often. Uh, he taught first about prayer with his immediate disciples plus those that were following them. He taught first with what not to do, and so we're going to look at that today. Um, let me pray. I am really, really excited, so that means I've got a tendency for pinball brain to take over, so I just want to, I want to pray for God to, to take that, and this is what I want to do too. Um, I want to give you guys just some space and some time before we do that, just that uh, God would make your heart pliable uh, just for the next little while about what this means and what it looks like. Um, if you came here not expecting uh, to hear from God, you probably won't. You will not. Um, so um, maybe I misphrased that. But if you came here anyway, you need to expect to hear from God. Let's, let's do that. And so let's ask God to speak to us as individuals and as a people, um, and then I'll pray and we'll jump into the text this morning. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your son whom you sent, um, who willingly took on uh, the mantle of servant and of sacrifice, of teacher, as rabbi, of all of those things so that we could know you, so that we could have hope. Um, God, this morning I pray as we look at the words of your son that it would, uh, it would prompt us to think better about what it means to pray. Um, God, it would just kind of maybe even show us some of the ways in which we have erred uh, in the, the wrong direction on prayer. But I pray, God, that through your wisdom, we would grow today. I pray that we would be individuals and a people uh, in this city who are um, leaning fully on you, um, expecting to hear from you, expecting to be guided uh, by you. Um, and God, we want conversation with you. Uh, I pray that you would speak to us today. Speak to me 
as, as we dig into your word. God, we love you. Uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to look at just a couple verses. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Um, let's go ahead and read that. It's going to be up on the screen. And then we're going to uh, jump through and kind of talk about bits and pieces of that. So let's read with me. It says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap upon empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And obviously after that, well maybe not obviously, but after that, Jesus actually gives us the Lord's Prayer. We're not going to go there today. Uh, we're going to start with these do nots today. I think the first thing that we need to do when, before we even look at the do nots is we have, to, um, we have to accept the common reality between us and these followers of Jesus. The common reality is this, and it may be awkward, but I think it's an admission. I'm sorry, my microphone is trying to fall out of my pocket, trying to prevent that from happening. Um, I think we have to have this, this kind of transparent admission. Just like the followers of Jesus then, a lot of us never had a good role model for what it looks like to pray. We've never seen it. We've never been around it. Um, we've heard a lot of things. And, and not to say that all the prayers that we've heard are bad. We're not going to go that far. But probably a lot of us, the majority, just never had that role model. Because to be honest, the majority of people uh, do not pray. We do foxhole prayers. We're good at that. When, things, when, when the sky is falling, we're great at saying, hey, God, uh, I don't want to die today. Help me. We're great at those. We're great. I think I've used the example before. You show up in biology class in college, um, and everybody has their scantrons out, and you didn't even know there was an exam that day. We pray really loud then. Maybe you've never been there. Maybe you weren't a freshman slacker. I was, and so it happened to me. Real world. Like, scantron, oh no, I don't even have one. Um, and so you play sick, and you go back to your dorm room and hope you can make it up later. But anyway, you pray really loud then. Or maybe, um, maybe just in great times of loss, we're good there. Uh, but we've just never seen, man, we've never seen the example like Jesus when it came to praying. Uh, I was blessed enough to have this grandmother, um, and she's still alive. I got to spend some time with her last night. And this woman, she just, man, she just, she just prayed. And she was good at it. Like, it's not the words that she used. It was never about her eloquence. It was never about the multisyllabic tone that she used or anything like that. It was just, you could tell that her prayers and her things that she, were, she was offering up was from this place of, God, I'm, I must have you. I'm, I must have you. I must know you. I must rely on you. I do believe that as a result of the prayers of my grandmother, my grandfather gave his life to Jesus, coming from a place of alcoholism and gambling and abuse and surrendered his entire life to Christ because this woman spent years on her knees for her husband. I believe it with all my heart. And I got to see it. And I got to hear it. And there were times, to be honest, I got to feel it. I remember sitting at her kitchen table just broken. And this sweet old lady just praying over her grandson. I've seen it. I, I, I've been in that room with that woman. And just, you can tell that the prayers of this righteous woman are powerful. Not because of her, but because of Jesus, but because of the work that he's done in her. But a lot of us never saw that. We never had that. Most of the Jewish followers at this given time, especially the Gentile followers, they, they didn't have that example either. 
They didn't have that. Maybe a few of them in the crowd had that praying grandmother or that praying nana or whoever she may have been or that praying grandfather. But for the most part, the common reality is we just haven't had that role model. And so Jesus, looking into this crowd, um, he sees the role models they have had. He sees them, and he's going to call out two of them. The very first thing that he says, um, he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. We'll start there. Hypocrites, originally they started out, they were actors. They were actors. uh, Their trade was they would put on masks, and they would gallivant around a stage, and they would portray another character. At this given time, hypocrites was uh, transcending the idea of being a thespian to being a religious leader. So the Pharisees of the day, the Sadducees of the day, they had taken on the moniker of hypocrite, and any time that Jesus said that, people knew exactly who he was talking about. He knew the people that were standing loud and proud with their huge beards and all of their cords and their perfectly groomed selves standing on the street corners praying as loud as they could for all to hear. His first example of do not, he said, uh, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. And he said, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So the first thing that he is telling them, he said, when you pray, it's not a performance. It's not a performance. The bookends of this particular passage are really interesting because he's, te- he's, uh, he's actually taking uh, the pillars of the Jewish faith or the pillars of piety, and he's kind of uh, saying you have to understand what they're actually about because right before this, he was talking about taking care of the needs of people. Chapter 6, verse 1, which is not there, he said, but beware of practicing your righteousness or your good acts before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. So this prayer thing is just an extension of this idea. And later, when he's talking about fasting, he said, When you fast, do not be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. He's going ahead and he's telling us, Your prayer is not a performance, and the people around you, they're not your audience. Your prayer is not a performance, and the people around you, they're not your audience. Church kid grew up in church, nothing wrong with that. The BOBC, the Big Old Baptist Church, is one of the reasons I am where I am, okay? Um, I learned a lot of great things there. I, I learned some not-so-great not things there. One of the things that I learned in there that maybe I didn't is that prayer should be done in King James English. Don't know why. I don't know why normal farmers in the church that I grew up, uh, that they would farm all week, but when it came time to pray before, the, pray before the offering was taken up, they immediately reverted back to the King's speech, the King's English. I have no idea why it happened. No clue. Maybe that was because that's who they learned from, and I'm not knocking that prayer. It it, it may have been completely genuine, but for me, it it taught me something that I didn't need to know. It taught me that I needed to pray in a way in which I don't speak. Prayer is not a performance. The audience is not those who are around you for your prayer. In this do not, um, we're getting a great reminder. Your prayers are not for those people. You may be praying for them, but they're not the ones we need to be concerned about hearing. And you may hear this, and you may say, well, this is really elementary, but think back to the way that you learned to pray. The second thing he said about them, he said, um, he said, beware, don't pray like the hypocrites, don't pray like the religious, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. He said, but when you pray, go into your room. Shut the door, pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He's reminding them, the audience is not the people, 
The audience is just God. Just God. And you say, well, I don't need to hear that. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Remembering our audience informs everything. I mean, you're, knowing your audience does, it informs everything. Any public speaking class that you're ever going to take, and I know you're like, you're going to make prayer about public speaking. No, no, no. But listen, any public speaking class you're ever going to take, the very first thing that you need to understand is who are you talking to. Because if you don't understand who you're talking to, you're not going to understand what you're saying. There's not going to be any point, there's not going to be any tenor, there's not going to be any reason behind your words if you don't know who you're speaking to. Now, if we go back a little bit and we think, oh, I'm not talking to the people around me, I'm talking to God, it will drastically change everything. It will drastically change everything. I remember growing up, like, uh, I have an amazing dad, um, and I don't remember long conversations with my dad as a boy. You know, I don't. But, but I remember as you're kind of getting into those teenage years and that relationship between a father and son starting to transition a little bit, I remember being able to meet my dad at Waffle House. I don't know why. My dad, he, he, likes, he likes grits. He likes eggs. Who doesn't like bacon? But, but like I remember being able to just sit across the table from my dad, seeing him as a, as a grown man, as an adult, me not yet quite an adult by cultural standards, and just, man, hearing wisdom from him and being able to speak to him and have him speak back. Like at some point, like I was able to revere my dad as, as a guide and as a source of great knowledge, great wisdom, uh, learning from trial and error, and just that guy. Did he do everything right? No. But I remember just the ability to speak and listen and be spoken to. I think at some point, if we're remembering that like God is our dad, and he's not, he's not like our earthly fathers, he's way better, but like he's still like that dad, this holy, regal, holy, holy, holy dad, according to Isaiah and Revelation. If we can speak to him like that, if we know our audience, if we know we're speaking to a father who loves us, that wants what's best to us, best for us, according to Romans, I think it changes everything. It changes everything. It doesn't just change how we speak, but it even changes what we say. And it even changes how we say it. Remembering our audience. He even gave them a warning in this particular do not. He said, uh, if you're speaking for the approval of those around you, there's your reward. But that's the only one you're going to get. He said, they, they stand up proudly in the synagogues. They stand proudly on the street corners, and they pray with big, beautiful words and great tone, using their diaphragm. The approval of the people around them is the best they're going to get. But, but let me remind you, and this text is reminding them kind of between the lines, the approval of people is not what we're after when we pray. We're, we're after the approval of our Father, right? God. We want God to hear us. We don't need the approval to, uh, for us to base our salvation on, but we do. We want to please our dad. And so we want to know how to please our father. We want to know how to approach our father. We want to know how to rely on our father, how to lean on our father, how to be near our father. He is our audience. Now, I know we hear this, and I know the question that comes up. The question after all of this is not, a, not seeking the approval of people. It, is it saying that we can't pray together? No, not saying that. 
It's not saying that we can't pray together. As a matter of fact, the rest of Scripture would attest to the fact that there's great power when we pray together. If we walk through the book of Acts, if we look at chapter 2, chapter 6, chapter 13, um, if we look at James chapter 5, when people are called before the elders, we see that collective prayer is a beautiful thing. But still, the thing that we must remember is the prayers are to God, for God, through God, just God. Asking Him to do a mighty work, we're doing it as a collective, as a body, as a family, but the audience doesn't change. Audience doesn't change. It is entirely about the direction of my heart. Entirely about the direction of my heart. If my heart is focused on God, my words are going to be different, my tone is going to be different, my reliance is going to be different, it will change everything. And so, yes, at the root of it, prayer is a conversation. I think it's okay to say that. If we're defining prayer from these do-nots, yes, prayer is a conversation. But prayer is a conversation with our Heavenly Father. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Second do-not. He says, so don't pray like the hypocrites. They love to stand, pray, do all of this. In verse 7 it says, And when you pray, do not heap empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Gentiles here, he's not, just, he's not talking about Gentile followers. He's actually talking about pagan followers he, or, or pagan folks that they're going to see. Their other example of prayer, they weren't yet followers of Jesus uh, most likely, but they were in the crowd and people would see them. Very often, it's highly likely that you would have the Jewish followers in the synagogues praying. You would have the pagan, fo- pagan fo- uh, folk, uh, pagan folk, yeah. You would have the pagan folk of the Gentiles, the non-Jews outside of the temple praying to their gods. And a lot of times, what you would hear is repetitive chants, repetitive chants, just over and over and over to their differing gods, just begging to be heard. Huh. Imagine, like, just, just imagine for a minute if you had a list of gods you had to go through just to find one that would listen. Imagine the exhaustion that would be attached to that. I'm going to put them in alphabetical order. I'm going to start at the top. I'm going to go with Ashtaroth, and I'm going to work my way all the way down to one that starts with a Z. They didn't have, you know, our alphabet, but still, it works for me. I'm going to start there, just begging that one would hear, trying to create a connection, using as many words as they could, as many chants as they could, as many big, beautiful, multisyllabic phrases as they could, just trying to toss it out there just over and over and over, just begging to be heard. He said, don't be like them. He said, no, 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 don't, don't, don't be like them either. For them, I, I feel like, oh, I feel like for them it's like not realizing that through Jesus, they would never have to create a connection with God because it would just be there. I think the thing that we have to realize as followers of Jesus is as a result of us abandoning our sin, choosing Jesus over that, saying, I believe in what you've done, I believe in what you've said, I believe in who you are, I'm placing my life in you and you alone. It's like there is this power outlet that's been placed right beside us, and all that we have to do through prayer is just plug in. We don't have to generate the electricity. We don't have to uh, install the outlet. It's already there as a result of the indwelling of the Spirit. There's a connection with God that's already been granted uh, as a result of by grace through faith. Same thing that grants us salvation, grants us connection with God Almighty who made everything, who authored all everything, who gave you salvation. That connection is there. Prayer is this. We just plug in. It's there. 
We just have to open our eyes, see, and take advantage of it. We don't have to create anything. But the pagans, on the other hand, these Gentile folk, they were doing everything in their power to create a connection that they never would. Just with repetition of over and over and over of chant after chant after chant to different God after different God after different God, just begging for one to hear them. When, like we read last week in Romans chapter 10, it is, man, if we believe in our heart and declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. Won't matter Jew or Greek, all are welcome. And as a result of that, all can be heard. Just by grace through faith. I think the scary part of prayer is we, we think more about the things that we don't know instead of what we should already know. I don't know the words. I don't know the how. Instead, we should just rest in the fact that I do know God. And He wants to hear. He wants to respond. He, he wants to be spoken to as a child to a father. So when you pray, do not heap empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard with their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. We have a great dad, best dad. He just wants to hear from his kids. He just wants to hear from his kids. If we start there, imagine the pressure that's removed. Like imagine... I do. I go back to my, my father, my earthly father, and I realize that not all of us had a good example of what a dad looks like. I get that. I do. I get that a lot of you just, you had junky dads, and for that, I'm sorry. But for my dad, I, I think about if, if weeks had gone by and I hadn't spoken to my father, I can imagine that my dad's just waiting for that call, just waiting to see my number pop up on his phone. And when he answers, I got a good dad. He's not going to say, son, why haven't you called? He's just going to say, hey. That's all. How you been? What's been going on? We have to take what we know and let it inform what we don't know. What we know is this. God loves his kids. He loves his kids. He just wants to hear from them. Sometimes it's just, hey, God. Hey, God. Still talking to dad, still talking to holy, holy, holy God, but hey dad. Not a lot of words there. Not a lot of empty phrases, not a lot of repetition. Just begin the conversation. Here's the question that comes out of this, do not. Does this mean that... Uh, we shouldn't ask for things repeatedly. No, doesn't mean that either. It says, do not repeat empty phrases, those kinds of things. We're not repeating empty phrases. Uh, if we look, uh, man, if, if we look in two different places in Scripture, we've got Luke 11 and Luke 18, very similar parables that Jesus also told about persistence in praying. One is about a man who came and knocked on a door late at night, and it said that the guy eventually opened the door not because he was his friend, but because he knocked so long. <laughs> yes, sometimes we just pray repeatedly. And then later in Luke chapter 18, we have the persistent widow. She's called the persistent widow, which means that she is persistent and she's a widow. <laughs> 
and she keeps saying the same thing over and over and over, and she's answered. So yes, sometimes, yes, we repeat the same request over and over and over. If you're praying for your neighbor to come to faith in Jesus, guess what? You're probably not going to pray it once. You're probably going to pray it many, many times, maybe weeks, maybe months, maybe years. If you're praying for your child to graciously and almighty, just unbelievably, give their life to Jesus, you're not going to pray it once. You're going to pray it over and over and over until God answers you. The persistent widow and the dude that knocked, they prayed and they knocked until they got an answer. Either go away or come in, either yes or no. We are persistent until God responds. If it's been placed on our heart, we can hope that it's been placed there by the Spirit of God who is leading us into a place of dependency on God Himself. And yes, we keep saying it until God says something back. Sometimes it looks like begging. Sometimes it looks like, hey God. But it's just over and over and over until God says yes or no. And I think about all the things that I thought I knew about prayer. And I realized that I knew nothing. <laughs> just nothing. I thought that uh, here are some of my mistakes. I thought that if prayer didn't come to me immediately that I didn't need to pray it. That if it wasn't just a, a gut response that I didn't need to say it. But here's one thing I've learned there. Man, sometimes we need to weigh our words think about our words. Think about what we're going to ask. I mean, by the way, just again, remembering our audience, we're talking to God Almighty, made all things, spoke all things into existence. We're imploring Him on our behalf or on someone else's behalf, or we're praising Him on our behalf or someone else's behalf. Isn't it worth taking a little bit of time and formulating our words before we just start spitting them out? Yes. So for some of you, you need to buy a journal and a pen. You need to buy a journal and a pen, and before you utter a word to God, here's what you need to do. You actually need to pray before you pray. I actually, sometimes I do. I need to pray before I pray, and it's something like this. Hey, God, I, I don't know what to ask for today, but I want to. Tell me what I need to ask for. And then, allowing the Spirit of God actually to lead us to ask for what God wants. Because, by the way, Prayer is not like rubbing this magical genie lamp. No, prayer is aligning our will with God's, and very often we need to know, hey, God, what do you want? Because that's what I want to want too. Show me that, and then I'll pray for it diligently. Remember, if we go back to Nehemiah, which when we were in the vintage series that lasted like half a year last year, if you go back and listen to that, Nehemiah, basically his prayer was, hey, God, you remember when you said that? Yeah, that's what I want. Maybe for some of us, we, we just need to know what God says before we even ask for it. So pray first, God, I want to know what you want, and that's what I want. And then we just begin to diligently, persistently knock, pray, ask, until God says something. So maybe you need to buy a, a journal and a pen, and before you pray, you write it out. And then maybe you go over it again before you pray it. Weigh our words. Don't be like the Gentiles and just vomit stuff out. No, no, no. Take time. 
think, talking to God, God the Father, made all, did all, is all, all of that, so He deserves our best. Still our dad, but deserves our best. Maybe we just need to weigh our words. Maybe we need to write them out. Maybe I think for a lot of us, we, we just need that reminder who God is. Who are we talking to? It's a big deal. Imagine, I mean, just for a minute, like just for perspective, if we stop and think that God of everything has invited us into a conversation. The gravity of that alone should almost make us want to shut up, right? Like to think that, that God wants to hear from me. Well, I, I have, what am I going to say to God? So maybe we stop and say, God, I really want to know what you want to hear from me. Like, what, what do I say? Don't overthink it. Let God guide you. But man, remember our audience. Who are we talking to? And then maybe after that, just start a conversation. Start a conversation. And I think, too, with the journal idea, a lot of times when we start this process, you'll write out a whole page of things, and you'll look at it, and you'll realize that every word was about you. And you realize that all of these prayers that you've been offering up, as good as they may be for you, they're incredibly selfish. Now, that sounds, that sounds terrible to say that my prayers are selfish, but very often I think we can. We can pray incredibly selfishly. Because after all, we, we also have the ability of imploring God on the behalf of others. And think about the reaches. It says the prayers of a righteous man are powerful. Guess what? You're not righteous on your own. You've made, been made righteous by the righteousness of Jesus. So we all have power, this dynamite living inside of us by the conversation that's already been started by God millions and millions of years ago, if we even want to talk about it in years kind of a terms. And now all we have to do is just tap into the power that he's already put at our disposal. Imagine the reaches of the righteous prayers. No one's safe. Your neighbor's not safe. Your coworkers aren't safe. To implore God on their behalf. Imagine the reaches of our prayers if we just maybe even think a little less of ourselves and think more of others. Now, like that passage we read last week, you know, in Romans 12, 1, 2, and then in verse 3, it says, uh, maybe some of you should think less of yourselves. Maybe it starts with our prayers. Maybe, um, maybe you need a prayer role model. Maybe you've never had that. Maybe the only role models you've had were not good ones. Maybe you've seen a lot of people who use a lot of big, beautiful words and pray in front of a lot of people. Maybe they were like the Pharisees or the hypocrites of that day, and you've never had a good prayer role model. Maybe you just need to find someone, ask for God to reveal them to you, or for God to reveal you to them, and just say, hey, would you, would you teach me what it means to pray? Just go sit with them. My grandmother, I just got to sit at her table <laughs> and hear this beautiful white-haired woman just pray over me. She didn't say a word about herself. She just prayed about one of her many grandchildren, all of which she loved dearly, but when I would sit at her table, she would pray for me. Maybe you just, maybe you just need to hear somebody that's tapped into it already, that knows what it is. Maybe we need to be a people that understand that, just like Tim Keller says, to fail to pray 
is not merely to break some religious rule. It's a failure to treat God as God. The failure to pray is not to break some religious rule, but it's, it's not to treat God as God. Maybe we've just been not praying because we really don't understand who God is. A loving father wants to hear from his kids, wants what's best for his kids, wants to have this conversation in which he speaks through his word, in which he speaks through those, those still moments, in which he speaks through other people, all of which will be confirmed by Scripture, which you need to be in. But he's just a good father that wants to hear from his kids. Maybe our failure to pray is just because we've, we've failed to understand who he really is. So maybe a simple prayer would start like this for you. Hey, God, I want to know you. Really, you. And I want to be able to pray from that place. So quietly, I'm not, I'm not going to force anybody to do anything, but just think, do I really trust what I pray? Do I really trust what I pray? Because if you don't, chances are you need to get to know God better. Maybe you need to get to know God, period. I talked about it last week. No doubt that somebody sitting in here, they don't know God as Father because they've never abandoned their sin in favor of Jesus. They've never trusted the life, the death, the words, and the resurrection of Christ to make them right with God. I offered it last week. I'll offer it again. Maybe today is the day that you just need to say, God, I've messed up. I've sinned. It's on me. I want you to forgive me of that. I trust in Jesus and Jesus alone to be made right with God. I believe in who he is. I believe in what he did, and I believe that he's my only hope. God, would you save me? Maybe today you just, you just need to say that. Neither Greek nor Jew, it doesn't matter. All are welcomed by grace through faith. And then maybe a conversation can start. The challenge this week is just simply this. Trust God. Talk to God. That's it. Trust God. Talk to God. And next week, we're going to build on it a little more. Next week, Jesus actually tells his disciples not about the do nots, but he says, when you pray, pray like this. And we're going to look at what that means. Let me pray. God, we love you. God, thank you for being God. God, thank you for being a dad who wants to hear from his kids. Father, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for making a way through Jesus and only Jesus. I thank you, God, that you're not trusting us to start a relationship with you, but you have trusted in your son that through him we could know you. God, I thank you that uh, you don't just redeem us to no longer hear from you, but you redeem us to start a conversation a lifelong and eternity-long conversation in which we can speak to a loving Father and hear back. God, I thank you for the power that rests in your spirit that has been placed in us as a seal of our salvation. I pray, God, that as a people and as individuals here today, God, that we would trust you with our prayers. We would trust you with our prayers because we trust you. God, and I do pray for the person that is sitting here that 
that doesn't know you because they've never called on the name of Jesus as Lord. They've never confessed and repented of their sins. They've never trusted in Jesus to make them right with you. God, I pray today that you would move in them. I pray that you would move in them to the point that they would confess, they would repent, they would turn to you through Jesus and Jesus alone. And God, that they would tell somebody so that we could rejoice with them and with you. God, I thank you for the next several weeks of of just teaching us through your word what it looks like to pray, what it looks like uh, for us to trust you with our words, with our heart, with our intentions. God, I pray you would build a people who are seeking to speak to you as our only audience. Thank you, God, for today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.